This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. Libby Snymer is off this week. I'm Jane Brown. It's a busy Sunday for churches across the country as most Christians celebrate Easter. As we get older, we start to reflect on faith, religion, and the reasons why we're here. Today, I'll talk to a man who went through that journey. Reverend Brian Galligan had a lengthy career working in the science industry before he became a man of the cloth. Coming up, he'll tell us his story. Plus, we're just one month away from the deadline if you owe money for your 2012 taxes. Every year, there are countless Canadians who don't file tax returns, many of them assuming they earn so little it's pointless to file one. Dr. Gary Block is trying to change this attitude. He's prescribing tax returns for all of his patients, informing them that if they don't, they could be missing out on thousands of dollars in tax credits. He'll join us to talk about this a little later on. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The B.C. government has invested millions of dollars to improve end-of-life care. Money will be invested in a variety of existing hospices across the province, as well as a provincial centre for excellence in end-of-life care, which will focus on research, education, information management, and policy and clinical care. The funding also comes with a new action plan to ensure the province provides quality palliative care so people can live to the end of their lives in either their homes or in communities. This may not come as news to Zoomers who are financially helping their young adult children through university. A report from the Bank of Montreal says tuition and other costs for a four-year university degree now can run more than $60,000. The BMO report says three-quarters of Canadian parents with children under 18 don't realize how much it costs to send a child to university. The report says new parents should be aware the $60,000 cost could more than double for a child born this year. It appears many Canadians over the age of 65 are ending up in hospital due to adverse drug reactions. The Canadian Institute for Health Information says about one in every 200 seniors is admitted to hospital every year because of an adverse drug reaction. The report says that compares to about one in 1,000 in the general population. The new information is based on data from 2010-2011 and does not include those who were treated in the ER but not admitted or those who sought care elsewhere. The women of the Mary Tyler Moore Show are reuniting. We spent all that time riding in from the airport together, and you didn't ask how things are with me, and here you are with Mary for two seconds. All right. And you just all find right. out everything. All right, Phyllis, Phyllis, forgive me, please. I'm so sorry. How are things with you? How's Bess? How's good old Lars? All Lars is dead, Rhoda. Same old Lars. <laughs> 
As Valerie Harper continues to battle terminal brain cancer, she's scheduled to be a guest star on Hot in Cleveland, where Betty White is one of the regulars. She'll be joined by Mary Tyler Moore and Cloris Leachman. And Georgia Engel, who played Georgette on The Mary Tyler Moore Show, will join Hot in Cleveland as a recurring character. It'll be the first time in more than 30 years that the five have been in a sitcom together. I'm Jane Brown, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's just one month until the tax deadline, and like every other year, there will be thousands of Canadians who don't file a return. Many think they simply don't earn enough money to warrant filing one. But my first guest says this is the wrong way of thinking about it. Dr. Gary Block is prescribing tax returns to all his patients, an effort to help them get all the tax credits they're entitled to. He joins me now in our studios. Thanks for coming in, doctor. My pleasure. Now, you're a physician who prescribes doing tax returns for better health. Tell us about your philosophy. Sure. I mean, I I do a lot of work with low-income people. And so one of my main goals over the last few years is to figure out ways that we can actually help patients improve their income. And so asking people to actually fill out their tax returns is one of those key interventions. And it's something I've discovered over the years is that by filling out a tax return, people can access a huge range of financial benefits that they may not have known about. And especially for people at lower income, the impact can be huge. Now, you say that a lot of people who are making minimum wage don't realize that they can get money back when, in fact, they could be due thousands of dollars in tax in tax credits. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people at very low income assume that because they're unlikely to pay tax, there's really no reason for them to fill out a tax return. But what they actually may find is that in filling out that return, suddenly this whole range of programs and benefits opens up to them. Someone earning $20,000 can have up to $8,000 a year in extra added benefits, which is huge. Now, for older people, and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of older people who have low incomes and who are getting by on very small pensions, Mm -hmm. does the same philosophy apply to them in terms of money that they can get back? Uh, The same philosophy does apply. I mean, so some of the basic programs like old age security, guaranteed income supplement, there's the Ontario Gains uh, program, which boosts people's income. There are property and tax credits. There's home energy credits they may be able to access. I mean, all these things are accessible through the income tax system. And I've actually come across senior citizens who, who weren't even accessing basic OAS and GIS benefits. Which they're due. Which, which they're absolutely yeah. due. I mean, they could have been struggling off of six to 800 bucks a month when they could have been getting, you know, 1400 to 1600 bucks a month at a minimum, right? And the difference there, and from my perspective as a doctor, their ability to deal with their health issues, the difference is huge. And health issues are they're they're directly related in some cases to the amount of money that you're bringing in your income. The evidence has shown the evidence on this is very sound that the link between income and poor health is possibly one of the strongest links we know of in the health field. So what we see is for things like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, mental health, uh, just about every major health condition, there's an incredibly strong link there. I mean, for instance, the impact of low income on heart disease is pretty much equivalent to the income of things like smoking and high blood pressure. And they've actually done studies where they'll test the levels of stress hormones in people's blood 
people who are living in poverty and people who aren't and find that those stress level hormone levels are way higher for people living in poverty. And we know that this has an impact throughout the body. And tell us about the flip side. Being financially secure makes you more physically healthy. It does, physically and mentally healthy, absolutely. And we actually see the impact of income all the way through the income spectrum. So if you look at someone who is in the, you know, say, top 60 to 80 percent of income versus top 80 to 100 percent of income, you'll find those people in that top group are healthier than the people in the second highest group. So this is not just about the poorest people. This is about people all the way through the income spectrum. Now, as you encourage your patients to make sure they fill out their tax returns, you may have some older people with not very much money at hand saying, well, I'm not really sure how I go about doing that, and it costs money to have somebody prepare the tax return for me. What would be your answer to that kind of a roadblock? Well, luckily, there are volunteer tax preparation clinics. So the Canada Revenue Agency on its website uh, has links into these volunteer tax preparation clinics. People can call uh, 211, which is an access uh, number for social resources. They will link people into volunteer tax preparation clinics. And for those who are so inclined, you can go online and actually fill out the income tax forms, and they're not actually that hard to complete. Dr. Gary Block, thank you for coming in. It's my pleasure. Remember, you have just one more month to file your taxes before you're charged interest on any money you might owe. And if you don't want to file online, you can still pick up the paper tax packages at your local post office. I'm Jane Brown, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break and then hear the story of a man who found religion much later in life. Stay tuned. Reverend Brian Galligan will join me in just a moment. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Jane Brown, filling in for Libby Snymer. Today is Easter Sunday for most Christians. Christians who observe the Julian calendar celebrate Easter on May 5th. As we age, Zoomers may be reflecting on faith and religion and how it affects their lives. It may be a time to come back to the church to renew and strengthen beliefs. Reverend Brian Galligan is the minister of St. Albans Anglican Church in Acton, Ontario. He joins me on the line after his Easter Sunday service. Happy Easter, Reverend Galligan. Oh, and happy Easter to you too, Jane, and all the listeners out there. It is a joyous day for Christians of all denominations, isn't it? It is indeed, yes. Now, you have a very interesting personal history, which is why we have you here on the Zoomer Week in Review. Uh, Having been an Anglican minister for just a relatively short amount of time, tell us about your later-in-life career change. Well, I um, started work. I'm uh, 62 now. Uh, I started work when I was 17 uh, in the science field. I actually started in the local hospital back in England, as a laboratory technologist, and I worked my way through that career. I think when I got to around about the age of 45, I went through what some people probably call a midlife crisis, where they're looking for, for meaning. Okay, I've, I've had a good uh, job for a number of years, I've raised a family, but there's something missing. And the more I dug into it, the more I went searching for answers. And I think one of the people that uh, really influenced me was a man called um, Dr. Francis Collins. I don't know whether you know him. He wrote the book. uh, It was a bestseller called The Language of God. 
And uh, Francis was a uh, an atheist for many, many years. Uh, again, when he became a physician and a geneticist, uh, he also started to question some of the things that he was seeing and experiencing. And he eventually worked as the leader of the Human Genome Project. And uh, I always remember in, uh, in the year 2000 when... Uh, the results of the Human Genome Project were revealed um, in an interview with Bill Clinton and Tony Blair from the UK and Francis Collins, and they uh, they talked about uh, today we have uh, seen the first glimpse of our own instruction book, previously known only to God. Mm. And the more I thought about that quote, and I dug into it and I read his book, that was the whole. That was, that was what was missing. The, the, the reality and the acceptance that there are things that happen in our lives that just don't seem to add up, as though things are happening under some kind of external influence. And that's when I started to pursue the possibility of going into ministry. I, I really, I started with lay ministry. I became involved in volunteering at the church in many different ways, uh, both locally and provincially and um, had a meeting with my bishop and discussed a sense that I was being called to sacramental ministry, particularly, you know, um, being part of that wonderful service that we remember every Sunday, Holy Eucharist, and consecrating the bread and the wine and distributing it to others. And uh, so at the age of, what, 56, I entered Trinity College, Toronto, uh, in the hopes of one day becoming ordained, I went through many, many interviews, many, many discernment processes. Uh, I had to be interviewed by something like 15 different people, including priests and lay people. And uh, eventually I, I got my uh, Master of Divinity degree uh, in uh, 2009 and was ordained into the Anglican Church as uh, initially as a deacon. And then six months later, uh, I was ordained as a priest. Mm, and Myron and I were blessed to have you as our <laughs> minister to marry us uh, in June of last year, 2012. <laughs> and there was a God incident because that rainstorm just yeah. held off long enough, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and turned into a beautiful afternoon in Acton. We, we yeah. believe that was my mom <laughs> doing that for us. <laughs> Yeah. Now, how we embrace religion and faith, you say that you believe that at a certain point we feel, perhaps in our 50s, for, late 40s, that something is missing. How is it that as we age, you're seeing more people embrace faith in a real way? In time, things are revealed, and sometimes our faith takes a long time to grow. It certainly took a long time to solidify with me. I see it all the time in the church now. Uh, there are a lot of people who uh, had the experience of church as children who followed a similar path to me. They went out into the world. They wanted to search for success. They wanted to self-actualize. They wanted to achieve their, their goals, their ambitions. And when they get there, they go, oh, yes. <laughs> okay, there's something still not missing. They have these mountaintop experiences where they suddenly look down at where they've been and think, well, now I'm here, but I'm still not happy. What is it that's missing? And it's that sense of spirituality that we only really typically, again, some people do get this earlier in life, but typically you go through your 40s into your 50s and you start to think, 
there's something missing, and it's that that's the connection with why we're here. What an inspirational conversation to have on Easter Day, Reverend Brian Galligan. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, and a blessed Easter to you and, and everyone who's listening. God bless you all. Reverend Brian Galligan is the minister of St. Albans Anglican Church in Acton, Ontario. I'm Jane Brown, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Today marks the anniversary of the release of one of the most important songs in rock and roll history. In just a moment, we'll return with the story of Johnny B. Good. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time now for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. In New York City, Orphans stars Emmy and Golden Globe winner Alec Baldwin. Orphans is in previews at the Schoenfeld Theater. In London, England, fans of the Impressionist era will enjoy Manet portraying life at the Royal Academy of Arts. And in Tokyo, the historic Kabukiza Theater has reopened after a substantial renovation which retained much of the original style and architecture. Originally built in 1889, it has 1,800 seats over three floors. And that's the International Arts Date Book. Have a great trip. It's the anniversary of one of rock and roll's most important songs, Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good. The song is about a young boy who takes his guitar with him everywhere he goes, playing it as easy as ringing a bell and dreaming of one day seeing his name in lights. Chuck Berry has acknowledged that the song is almost autobiographical. Johnny B. Good was released on March 31st of 1958 and became a major rock and roll hit popular with both black and white audiences. It has since been covered by countless artists, Jimi Hendrix, The Rolling Stones, The Beatles, Buck Owens, Elton John, Buddy Holly, and Jerry Lee Lewis are just a few of the big names that have performed the song. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has included Johnny B. Good on their list of 500 songs that helped shape rock and roll. But perhaps the biggest and most unique honor is the song's inclusion on the Voyager Golden Record. The record is attached to the Voyager spacecraft and contains sounds selected to portray the culture and diversity of Earth. Johnny B. Good shares the record with greetings in 55 languages, nature sounds, as well as other pieces of music such as Beethoven's Fifth Symphony and Bach's Brandenburg Concerto. As for Chuck Berry himself, he's a true Zoomer, still performing regular concerts in his hometown of St. Louis. Right now, we'll travel back to the peak of his career and hear his famous song, Johnny B. Good. That was Chuck Berry with Johnny B. Good. It was released 55 years ago today in 1958. And that brings us to the end of today's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown. Thank you so much for joining me. Libby Snymer will be back next weekend, so be sure to tune in and stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program Director, John Van
This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.